Hi, Juliet here with a quick message before this episode starts. Everything you need to be more strategic amid the busyness of the school term is contained in the 170 plus episodes of this podcast. But sometimes you can get there a bit faster with some personalised help. I host a termly online workshop specifically designed to help the support staff within schools to make the shift from being reactive to strategic. Our next workshop is coming up soon and we're going to be reflecting on how things have gone this academic year and strategising for the academic year to come so that you can confidently prioritise your workload, overcome the obstacles that are holding you back and redirect your time and focus onto your priorities. At the end of the session, I promise you're going to be feeling more energised, ready to hit the ground running with a clear plan of action. This term's workshop is going to be run on Thursday the 16th of May, and you can find out more and book your place at www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash plan. I hope to see you there. Now, let's launch into this episode. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about a time where I received some criticism, which actually felt very emotional for me in a work context. I'm going to explain to you how those three steps of listening, pausing and reflecting and then responding helped me to deal with this criticism. Welcome to the Independent School Podcast. Thinking and acting strategically is the key to both securing the future of your school and helping to build a more equal and just world. My name's Juliette Corbett. I'm a consultant, speaker and facilitator specialising in helping independent schools. In this podcast, I translate tried and tested strategy and fundraising techniques into a language that works for schools. So if you're a senior leader in a private school and you want your daily work to feel less exhausting and more strategic, and if you want to once more feel the joy of making the world a better place through education, then you're in the right place. Welcome, and let's get started on this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode where we're talking about responding to criticism. Now, often when we're developing strategy, we talk about trying to encourage divergent thinking. We're trying to encourage contrary views to be aired in the room in order to improve the strategic decision making that we're undertaking. We also talk about wanting to welcome feedback, which is obviously potentially critical feedback from the people that we're serving within our communities, especially the pupils, the parents, the alumni, the staff, to understand what is it that we're doing that's actually being received really well and what is not landing in the way that we want it to or having the impact that we want it to. So understanding and responding to criticism is a key element of being a good strategic leader. It's an important element for strategic decision-making and actually it's really important core skill of being a leader is knowing how to respond to criticism. And interestingly, just as an aside here, I think it's also important to understand if you're not getting enough criticism, what to do about it. It might be that you're playing it too safe and that you need to be encouraging more criticism in your conversations. So today we're going to be thinking about how to respond to criticism in a way that isn't reacting in the moment, but is instead reflecting and responding with intention. So many people have told me that this podcast helps them, which is great because helping people is why I create these weekly episodes. And I also hear from lots of people who need a bit more support. 
For those schools, I facilitate strategy away days for governors and leadership teams. I guide heads and chairs of governors through the creation and implementation of new strategic plans. And I lead regular one-to-one strategy advice calls with heads and directors of development. And the best part of my job is hearing from the people I work with that they're clearer about what to prioritise day to day. They're better able to lead change in their schools and they feel happier and more confident that they're making good strategic decisions. So anytime that you feel like you need a bit of extra help, just drop me a message so we can chat. You'll find my contact details at www.consultjuliet.co.uk. So I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable in this episode and I'm going to be really honest that actually I think all of us and certainly me included go on a journey as we learn to respond to criticism and to invite criticism with welcome arms and it doesn't always feel comfortable and in fact what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about what I've learned along the way there are three steps that I try to use when I hear criticism and I'm going to talk you through those three steps from the point of view of a story that I'm going to tell you of an actual circumstance where I received criticism and the way that I felt, the way that I paused, reflected and the way that I responded and to kind of make this a little bit more real for you. So first of all, when someone levies a criticism at you, the first thing you have to do is actually listen to the criticism. So step one is always to actually hear it. And that means you cannot allow yourself to react in the moment. You have to be able to stay calm, to not take it personally and to ask clarifying questions so that you're understanding the criticism in a little bit more detail if necessary. Actively listening, and I mean really properly listening to the person that's levying the criticism towards you or your organisation. And then as you do that, also explaining to that person, it depends how the criticism has been received, whether it's by email or whether it's in person, but explaining to them that you'd like to take some time to reflect and then respond to their criticism. And in some cases, it's important to give a time frame as to what you um, mean by that. You know, do you mean 24 hours or do you mean a week? What's going to be your your way of reflecting or time frame for reflecting and responding to that criticism? But step number one is you have to actually calm your your response, your emotional response enough to actually listen to the criticism genuinely. Step number two is to then walk away, (laughs) pause and reflect. And I think sometimes, this is why I take a walk, if I've received some criticism and I think, oh, this really hit me and I don't like this feeling, take a walk. I love being outdoors um, and I think it calms me and maybe it's the same for you. But most importantly, pause, reflect and take your time. And in this period of reflection, it's sometimes possible to get a bit lost. There have been times where I think I'm taking time to reflect on the criticism and actually I'm wallowing in self-pity for a couple of hours. That's not helpful for anybody, least of all me. So I found it's really helped me to to do this reflection step, but to have some structure around it. And so what I try to think about is emotion. What are the emotions that are being felt on both sides, the, the person who's giving the feedback and the person who's receiving the feedback? I try to think about understanding their motivation. This helps me to understand whether or not it's constructive criticism or whether it's actually genuinely meant to be some form of attack. Very, very rare that it's genuine attack. Normally it's meant constructively. So understanding their motivation. 
And when I've got a sense of being able to reflect on the emotional element and the motivation, I try to summarise that reflection by thinking about intent versus impact. Now, I initially heard about intent versus impact in a PR perspective in terms of how organisations can make sure they're focusing on the impact that maybe a a misstep that they've made has had on their community in order to facilitate them to apologise in an appropriate time frame to their community. But I've taken this intent versus impact concept as a way of dealing with criticism. So this second phase of pausing and reflecting allows me to think about emotion, to think about motivation, and then to finally come to a conclusion around the intent versus the impact. I'm going to give an example in a few moments when I tell you my story. Then the third step is responding. Now, when you respond to criticism, you have to have the confidence that you will not automatically comply with the request that's being made, but you equally will not automatically stand your ground and refuse to make changes. You have to be thinking about what is the right thing for your school, what is the fair thing for all concerned, and only then can you really make sure that you're responding in an appropriate way to that criticism. So those are the three phases that I try to do. Firstly, listen to the criticism. Secondly, pause and reflect. And thirdly, respond. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about a time where I received some criticism, which actually felt very emotional for me in a work context. I'm going to explain to you how those three steps of listening, pausing and reflecting and then responding helped me to deal with this criticism. So I'd used the term disadvantaged young people in some content that I'd created around bursaries and partnerships for schools. And I was just about to publish this content when I received some feedback on it. And the feedback, the person who gave me the feedback was telling me that it would be upsetting for the recipients of the bursaries and partnerships work to be described as disadvantaged young people. The person who was giving the feedback felt that these people came from disadvantaged backgrounds, but that they would be hurt if they were labelled as disadvantaged. This was not a concept that I'd heard before. I'll be completely honest. Maybe you have. Maybe everyone else in the world knows this. And I was the last person to realise. But it is a form of labelling young people to use this form of language, disadvantaged young people. The person giving me the feedback also felt that my language in this particular piece of content was reinforcing an attitude, an unhelpful attitude of schools, independent schools, being superior to the people that they were helping. So this was the criticism that I received. I received it privately in an email and it was just before I was about to publish this piece of content. My first reaction, so I then decided I have to pause, I have to reflect. My first reaction was pause the publication of the content in order to give me some time to to reflect. My reaction was very emotional. I felt attacked, if I'm completely honest, because I knew that that is not what I meant. I never meant to label young people. And I was worried that I'd used this terminology multiple times before and that others would be judging me in the way that this person who given feedback clearly was, as being someone who didn't really care. And the reason that I reacted emotionally, and this was the key thing that I I had to understand in order to move on, that the reason I'd reacted emotionally was because, firstly, equality and fairness are part of my core values. And so it was almost an attack on my authenticity to my core values. Secondly, 
I'll be really honest, I put a lot of work into that piece of content. And so to have someone pull the rug just before publishing felt very frustrating. And then thirdly, and this was interesting, this this particular third reflection only came to me a few days later, which was that at the same time, I had been feeling a little bit underconfident around my use of the right language around anti-racism. And I was feeling a little bit hesitant about putting my views too public. I wanted to make sure that people heard an anti-racist um, set of values from me, but I was really underconfident about the, using the right language in that arena. And so someone criticising, from, from my perspective, criticising my use of language in an arena I did feel a bit more comfort around, which is talking about bursaries and partnerships, really pulled the rug from under me. And so I reacted very emotionally. Now, luckily, I had walked away from my computer. I had not reacted emotionally on email back to the person who had given me feedback. I was able to just do that on a walk around the block, basically. And what was really interesting to me was that understanding the emotion that I was feeling and why I was feeling that emotion gave me a completely different perspective on the feedback that I had been receiving. And it made me realise that, first of all, it might be that they were reacting emotionally as well. Now, I do not know to this day, but it might be that they were from a disadvantaged background and didn't like themselves being labelled in that way. I do not know, but it's entirely possible. But what I did know was that their motivation was so genuine around wanting to help these young people. Very passionate about bursaries and partnerships work. They were on the same page as me. They wanted to do see the same changes in the world that I want to see around equality, around social justice. And so I very quickly realised that this was not an attack on me. This was constructive criticism that they were giving me to help and to ensure that that piece of content was as powerful as possible. So that reflection, that time to walk around the block, understand my emotional response to this email that I'd received, enabled me to really understand impact versus intent. And I refer to this as the impact on me versus the intent of the person who had given the feedback. So the impact on me was emotional, absolutely to the core. But the intent of the individual was to make that piece of content more powerful so that we, together, me and them, could have a better impact on society and on the world. That enabled me to respond, to not react in the moment, but to respond to the criticism, having listened and really reflected on what that criticism had meant to me. So what I did, as I mentioned, I delayed publication, so I had time for that reflection. So although I did respond by changing the language that I'd used in that particular piece of content, I also made the conscious decision not to censor myself in everything that I do. I have to have the ability to use my voice, my passion, to try and make change in in society without having to be constantly scripting and double-checking myself. Alongside the fact that I will now acknowledge to anyone anyone who will listen, that I will not always get the language right. I won't. But that won't stop me from trying to get the language right. And it won't stop me from talking about the steps that we can take as an independent schools sector to build a more equal and just world. So I hope that's helpful. 
as I said, I'm being a little bit vulnerable here. It's not easy to talk about criticism that you receive, but I think it is really important to have a structure for how you want to respond to criticism. Personally, I find this three-stage process really helpful. So listening to the criticism and kind of asking clarifying questions, really actively listening and understanding where the criticism is coming from. Secondly, reflecting and using that intent versus impact question to, to structure that reflection. And then, and only then, responding to the criticism. So I think in summary, find a method that works for you, but maybe there's something in here that you could take into your own method of responding to criticism. But as a final thought, we also need to invite criticism. If you're not hearing critical voices, it's possible that either you're not being bold enough in your messaging, and and then the message that you're sending out to the world in whatever your role is, or even if you are being bold enough, maybe you're not being open enough to hearing that feedback that might be critical. And so with that in mind, I invite you to feedback on this episode. I would love to hear your thoughts around the structure that I've shared with you today and also that particular story that I shared with you around my emotional reaction to that criticism that I received and the language question that we're still grappling with, I think, in the independent school sector around how we communicate our bursaries and partnerships work. That's it for this week. I look forward to speaking to you again next time. Bye-bye then. Thanks for listening to the Independent School Podcast the podcast that helps senior leaders in private schools to think and act more strategically, both because they want to secure the future of their school and because they want to help build a more equal and just world. You can listen in everywhere that podcasts are available. And if you want to catch up on previous episodes or follow any of the links that I've mentioned today, just head over to www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash podcast.